the curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed. You will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. Welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship tonight. This is our last service of 2022, but we're excited about what God's going to do. He's got great things in store, and if you're watching online, we just want to say welcome to you as well. Father, we give you thanks and praise that your hand is extended towards us, full of goodness and blessing. And Lord, we just receive what you have for us, and we give you the highest praise and all the glory, for you are good. You are worthy of our praise, Lord, and we bless your holy and wonderful name in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Are you ready to worship tonight? We've got freedom in this house tonight. You can set the captives free. 
Come 
in our shoes yet with no sin and Lord we thank you that you're here and you're going to speak to us and so we listen to you it's time to step into my plan says the Lord I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you an expected end, to give you a hope and a future. Oh, it'll work out well. Just stick with me. Just follow me. Just do what I tell you to do because I've got your best interest at heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Someone say, praise the Lord. Lord. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Our praise team is an amazing team. We're so grateful for them and for every volunteer that we have here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to close out 2022, get ready to start a new year, 
And we will be having church this Sunday, regular time, 10 a.m. So if you need a church home, you're welcome here. Love to have you. It's going to be a great day. Amen. Hallelujah. But we're here right now tonight. It's going to be a great night. God's got, say, God's got something for me tonight. Before we dismiss the kids, I just want to read something to you from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 24 to 28. You know, Hannah was persecuted severely because she didn't have any children. And uh, she had enough of taking the heat, right? And so she turned to God and uh, she told the Lord, she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. Now think about that for a minute. Uh, she wanted a son, but she was going to sow a son. So First uh, Samuel chapter 1, verse 24, this is what she did in the preparation that she took in giving her son to the Lord. It says that uh, when she had weaned him, she took him with her with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin bottle of wine to pour over the burnt offering for a sweet odor, and brought Samuel to the Lord's house in Shiloh. The child was growing. Then they slew the bull and brought the child to Eli. Hannah said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives... My Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my petition made to him. Therefore, I have given him to the Lord. Say, she gave him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord, and they worship the Lord. Everybody say they worshiped. Doesn't sound like they were sad about giving. Sounded like it sparked something. You know, your giving is essential to you. God doesn't need your money, but he needs your seed so that he can bless you with it. You know, if you're going to plant a garden, it's got to start with a shovel, right? You got to put that shovel into some dirt, move the dirt out of the way so you can put the seed in the ground. And uh, God's given you seed. And he said that he will multiply the seed sown because he gives seed to sowers. How many sowers are here tonight? Amen. So, you know, like always, you can give anytime during the service. If you're watching online and you're benefiting from this message, you can go to the website and give that way. And God will receive your gift. And I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the givers and their gifts that they've given unto you, Lord. And I call them blessed, blessed, blessed. Lord, that your blessing is upon them. Your provision is for them, Father. Your favor is going ahead of them. And I give you thanks and praise that you will prosper them, Lord. I speak a blessing over every giver and their gift in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Right, we got some awesome kids in this place. We're so grateful to have our kids, that they can learn to live in faith every day. Kids, are you ready to learn about some faith? Are you ready to learn about Jesus? Hallelujah. They might be a little shy, but kids, be dismissed. Have a great class. Go to your class.
Praise the Lord. Glory to God. How many has ever wondered, where do I go from here? How do I get to uh, where I need to go? We're going to answer that question tonight. Where do I go from here? And we're going to talk about how God gives us guidance and direction. You know, when the military, when they fire a missile to a location, within that missile is called a guidance system. And that guidance system directs that missile to the target. If it's a heat seeker, it directs it to the source of heat. It follows heat, right? Uh, if it's a smart bomb, you know, they, they have ways of painting the target so it can hit its mark. God wants you to hit your mark in 2022, and he wants you to hit the mark in 2023. And in order for us to, to hit our mark, we have got to be guided. And God guides us. He is good in guiding us to where we need to be. God's got a destiny for every one of you. And a destiny means a destination. He wants to connect you with the right people. He wants to hook you up with the best blessing, right? He wants to open up doors of opportunity for you. And we're going to find out how God guides us. Because he does. Life is a guided tour, if you know the right person. Right? How many has ever been on a guided tour? You know, the personality of your guide can make all the difference. I'll never forget, we, we visited the Schabrum Castle in Vienna, Austria. It's called that because of the, the color that they use, Schabrum number yellow. Well, we had a very monotone guide. And once you saw about 10 rooms, they all started to look the same. And when you got a boring guide that just speaks monotone and there's no excitement in their voice, you know, it doesn't make it a pleasant experience. But God's not monotone. God's the most exciting guide because he knows everything. He's full of passion. He's full of life. He's full of excitement. And God will never have you go on a boring journey with him. Amen? So I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to start here, and we're going to see how God hooked up some people. Hallelujah. And uh, in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So he was, a, he was at least over 100 people as a centurion. Century means 100. Notice he was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So he was a devout man. In other words, he expressed some kind of religious activity. I don't like using the word religious because God's not religious. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. But I'm using this word just for the 
purposes of tonight. So he was a devout man. He feared God, right? So he had a respect, reverence, and honor for God and the things of God and the people of God, okay? With all his house, everybody say with all of his house. You know, man, you've got to be the leader of your home and, and, and your family needs you to lead in spiritual things as well. And uh, he gave much alms to the people, right? So he was a giver and he was a man of prayer. Okay, and verse three, he saw in. A, but see, there was something that Cornelius was missing in his life, and he didn't know it. He didn't know how to get it. But God was about to hook him up. All right, say God's about to hook me up. Okay, maybe there's things in your life you may need some things that you don't even know you need them, and you don't know where to get them. But God will hook you up. God will get you to the right place at the right time in the right moment where he can give you what you need, what was missing, okay? He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, which is about uh, 3 p.m., all right? And uh, an angel of God coming into him and saying him Cornelius aren't you don't you get excited when god knows your name right so this angel appeared to him and said Cornelius and when he looked on him he was afraid and said what is it lord and he said unto him your prayers and your alms or your giving are come up for a memorial before God. Did you know that God watches over your giving? And God listens to your prayers. Okay? So his prayers and his giving got God's attention. All right? And then he said, send men to Joppa, which was about 30 miles away, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell you what you ought to do. Say, he shall tell me. So he didn't tell him what to tell him. He's just going to tell him. You've got to go get him so that he's going to tell you something. Okay? When you're going to receive God's guidance, there's always an element of faith involved. Okay? God's going to show you a part. He's going to give you an instruction. He's going to give you a direction. And by faith, you have to follow it. If you don't follow the direction or the instruction, you miss out on the blessing. Okay? So, he told him who to look for, where he was, and where he was staying. Because God knows everything. Okay? Verse 7, when the angel which spoke unto Cornelius was departed, he called for two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. So as soon as the angel of the Lord left, right, he had given him the message, the angel left. Now what does Cornelius do? He starts acting on the information that he received because he wants to be guided, right? See, God's not going to guide someone who wants to run their own life. God's going to guide someone who lives a surrendered life, one who has surrendered to the will of God. Amen? How many know God's got a will, and we've got a will, but when we, when we meet God, we've got to surrender our will to his. Right? He doesn't force you to do it. 
but it is a choice that every person needs to make. Okay? So immediately, Cornelius starts to implement the plan. He starts, he gathers two servants plus a devout soldier. He's getting ready to send them to Joppa to go find Peter. Okay? I don't know if he ever knew what, knew who Peter was, but he had information from God and he's acting on it. Say, when God speaks to me, I act on it. Okay? Now, at the same time, uh, so he, he sent, he sent his servants to Joppa. Now, verse 9. Now, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. That's 6 p.m. Uh, that's uh, 6 p.m. All right? And uh, so Peter is on the house, and he, become, he became hungry. How many's ever gotten hungry when you went to pray? That darn flesh, man, you go to pray, and you're getting hungry all of a sudden. So uh, he, he's praying, and he becomes hungry. And, uh, and he would have eaten, but while they made ready, so they're getting the food ready, he fell into a trance, okay? And he saw heaven opened. And a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet, knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts uh, of the earth, and creeping things and fowls of the air. And And there came a voice to him, said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Notice, uh, Peter's name is known by God. Right? He calls him by his name. You know, God will always, when God appears to you, he'll address you by your name. Right? And uh, so he, he does this to Peter. He has this sheet. And the voice said, uh, rise, kill, and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Okay? And then verse 15, the Bible says, And the voice spoke unto him again a second time, What God has cleansed, don't call common. All right? So what, what God has cleansed, don't call common, because God's not common. He's an uncommon God. Okay? Everything that God does is good. Everything that God makes is good. God is a good God. Okay? Bad devil, good God. Don't get those mixed up. Anything bad, it's the devil. Anything good, it's God. Okay? So, this happened uh, three times to Peter. All right? Then everything was taken up into heaven. Okay? Now let's go down to verse 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. And uh, while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said on him, say the Spirit said. You know, Holy Spirit has a voice. He can speak to you. You know, if God's going to guide you, he is going to make it clear. He is going to make it where you know exactly what he's saying, okay? 
God doesn't speak in mysteries. Oh, God works in mysterious ways. Well, if you know Jesus, he reveals his mystery to you, so it's not a mysterious way anymore, right? See, I know the mysteries. Yeah, no, God doesn't work in mysterious ways. That's an old wives saying, right? That's not Bible. And uh, so uh, the Spirit spoke to Peter, and notice what he said, Behold, three men seek you, right? Two servants and a soldier. Okay? Then Peter uh, went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. So apparently they never met before. Okay? What is the cause? Why did you come? Right? What do you want me for? Okay? And they told him the story. They said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that fears God and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for you into his house and to hear words of you. Say, he needs to hear some words. See, Cornelius needed to hear a message about the gospel and the power of God in order to receive of the power of God, okay? Why couldn't the angel just deliver the gospel? Because that's not their job, okay? God needed Cornelius to connect with Peter, and he needed Peter to connect with Cornelius, so God was bringing them together, guiding them on the path of his righteousness, and he's, he's using visions, he's using angels, he's using the Holy Spirit, and he's guiding these two people together for God's purpose. Okay? Say, God's got a good plan. He's got a good plan for me. And if I just listen, I'll fulfill that plan. Okay? So, uh, verse 23, he called them in, then they lodged them, all right, so they, they spent the night, and then on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and uh, remember the Holy, the Holy Spirit said, go with them, doubting nothing. He doesn't even know why he's going. He doesn't know what's going to happen when he gets there, okay? This is the element of faith. See, God's not going to tell you the whole picture, but he'll tell you a step. And if you take that step, you'll get another instruction. Okay? But if you haven't taken the step, you're not going to get a different instruction. Okay? So Peter had to go with these people who he just met, doubting nothing. Everybody say, doubting nothing. Put the doubt out. You need to treat doubt like trash that's been sitting in the trash can for five days. Put it out. Get rid of it. Don't hang on to it. Let the doubt go. Okay? All right? So uh, so he went with these three people. And uh, some of the people uh, that were with Peter also went with him as well. Some of the brothers. And uh, verse 24, and on the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. He called together his relatives and his friends, okay? It would be like if Peter has never been to VCF 
and God told me to go get Peter. He said, I want you to come to VCF. Why do you want me to come? I just need to hear what you have to say. Okay. Right? And he walks in, and there's all of you sitting right here. And Peter's like, okay. Still, he still doesn't know why he's there. Okay? But they know God. How many, if you know God, you can walk into the unknown with confidence. You've got to know God. You've got to know his voice. You've got to know how he speaks to you in order to be led by him. Right? How do you get to know God's voice? That's through relationship. Both Peter and Cornelius were men of prayer. Both of them saw a vision. Both of them had voices speak to them. For Cornelius, for Cornelius, it was an angel. For Peter, it was the Holy Spirit. Plus the voice from heaven that said, rise and eat. Okay? So you see the similarities taking place here. Right? God just needed these people to come together because he had a plan and a purpose. So he's guiding these two individuals to where he, so that he could fulfill his plan. Hallelujah. Okay? And uh, verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up and said, stand up. He said, I'm a man. You don't worship men. You worship God. Right? If there's anything we ought to learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't bow to a statue. I don't care if the king says it. I don't care if the people say it. I don't care if a ruler says it. You don't bow. You don't compromise. You don't give in. You stand your ground. Right? Peter did the right thing. You don't worship man. You worship God. Stand up. I'm just a man. Okay. So he walks into this room full of people. Must have been a big house because he brought all of his relatives and his friends. They're there in the house. Must have been a big house. Say a big house. Okay. And uh, as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. Remember, he had to go by faith. And he said unto them, you know how it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one another of a nation, one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. See, both visions taught the men something. They both had a lesson. Cornelius learned that he needed something that he didn't have. Peter needed to to overcome uh, a hindrance or an objective that he had in his heart, that a Jew shouldn't fellowship with non-Jews. Everybody say, get over it. God, God crosses boundaries. He crosses racial boundaries. He crosses nationality boundaries. He crosses, he crosses culture boundaries, right? Listen, just get over it. Everybody say, go with the flow. All right? The reason that Peter was having his, seeing the vision that he saw was to let him know that Gentiles are not unclean because God called them clean. If God called him clean, a Jew can go visit a Gentile. It's okay. God set it up. All right? So Peter begins to preach. He didn't come with notes, but he had the Holy Ghost. 
And as he began to preach, he's just preaching away, telling them about Jesus, telling them that they were eyewitnesses and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, in the middle of his sermon, the Holy Spirit interrupts. And he falls on the place. And everybody in the house, Cornelius, his family, and his friends, they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and all began to speak in tongues. See, God, God's going to guide you because he has a purpose and a plan. And he's not going to give you all the details because you've got to go by faith. But he was guiding them the whole step of the way. Okay? And uh, both men responded swiftly by carrying out the instructions they received. The gospel was preached, people received the truth, and lives were changed. And uh, then uh, Peter, verse 34, says, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. God is good for everyone who wants him. Okay? And uh, so, uh, verse 45 And they of the circumcision which believed, those were the Jews that were there with Peter, were astonished as many as came with Peter because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed for him to tarry there uh, a few more days. So they got filled with the Holy Ghost, then they got baptized with water. There was revival in Cornelius' house. Hallelujah. These were the first Gentiles to get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Glory to God, because two men followed God's guidance. Two men stepped out into the unknown. Cornelius went after Peter, whom he never met. Peter came to Cornelius' house, who he never met, but they both knew God. They both were men of prayer. Right? And God worked it out. Okay? You know, if God's going to guide you, he needs your cooperation. You have to yield to him. When he speaks... You have to move. And whatever he says, you have to do. And you might, you might have to fight feelings, but I don't want to. He didn't ask if you want to do. He just says, do it, you do it. Amen? When the Lord speaks. Okay? Because he's going to guide you through instructions and directions. I mean, he, he gave him enough details to find Peter. He gave enough details to Peter to go with them, right? Peter was encouraged. He, he, he could go with these strange men, doubting nothing. Why? Because God spoke to him. Amen? And, you know, God will talk, say, God will talk to me. Yeah, he knows how to get a hold of me. So here, here's what... Guidance, divine guidance is leadership, direction, assistance, advice, and support. How many could use some divine support? How about some divine advice? Has anyone ever encountered a problem that they didn't know how to deal with? Well, 
then that, that, that we need God's guidance. Right? Guidance is, it comes from in the form of something you can see or something you can hear. Right? Both Peter and Cornelius, they saw something and they heard something. Then they had to follow the instruction. Right? Did they have a choice? Could they have said no? Yeah, they could have. God didn't force them to follow his advice. But because they both love God, they followed his advice. How about you? Are you going to do what God says no matter what? Hallelujah. Guidance comes from special messengers, Holy Spirit and angels. Okay? Faith is required to receive and follow the guidance that God gives you. Guidance guarantees abundance and renders your enemies helpless. You know, if you follow God's guidance, you will outsmart the enemy every time. You will avoid every trap that he's set for you. You will avoid every pitfall that he's covered for you. You know, if they're going to catch a big game, they dig these pits and put these spikes in it and they cover it up. They make it look like the ground so that when you walk, you don't know that you're walking on a pit. But that's what the enemy does to people. He, 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 he wants to trap you. He wants to ensnare you. He wants to hold you captive because that's what sin does. All right? Guidance, it terminates tension so that you can follow God on peaceful paths. How many want to walk on a peaceful path? Well, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Don't you think he knows where all the peaceful paths are? And the peaceful path is not the path of least resistance sometimes. Sometimes you got to walk into the fire. Oh, I don't want to go in the fire, but if God's leading into your fire, it's okay. Tell your neighbor, say, it's okay. Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to go into the fire. Why didn't God deliver them from the furnace completely? Because he had to show his glory in the fire. Amen? Sometimes he shows his glory by getting you out of prison. That means you got to go into prison to get out. Right? I don't want to go to prison. Doesn't matter what you want. It's who you're going to follow. Are you going to follow your feelings or are you going to follow the Holy Spirit? Mm, We're getting into some deep things now. Guidance brings you into all truth, gets you to your destiny. It brings you out of darkness into the light. It brings you out of bondage into freedom. Divine guidance leads you to real rest and blessing. Real rest. Jesus said, all those who are heavy laden with burden, he said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Why? He's the Lord of the Sabbath. You can have rest anywhere, any place, anytime in Jesus. But if you want real rest, you got to follow his guidance. Guidance is God's continual directing your steps. Being led forth by his mercy, strength, and righteousness. Think about this. God leads you in steps. One step at a time. But if you take enough steps, 
you get to where you need to be. Following God is just taking a series of steps. Why didn't I get into Palmyra right after I graduated Rama? One thing, I wasn't ready. God had to do some things in me. You know, sometimes God has to do some things in you before he can take you to where he wants you to be. Why? Because your character matters more to God than anything else. If, if God will take you where you want to be and you have a poor character, you won't, you won't stay there. See, where God wants to take you, your character has to keep you. So sometimes before he takes you to where you need to be, he's got to work on your character. God had to work on my character. If he'd have given me a church right out of Bible school, it'd have been a mess. Hallelujah. It took some time, but I got to the right place. Why? I listened to God and, and followed a series of steps in my life. Step one, get born again. Step two, fall in love with Jesus. Step three, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Step four, learn to listen to his voice. Step five, be willing to go wherever he says go, do whatever he says do, and be whatever he said be. Amen? Amen. Why? When, you're, when you become the person that God wants you to be, you'll be the best that you can be. Yeah. All right? Hallelujah. You know, God knows the end before the beginning, so he's a really good guide. Yeah. He knows what your bad choice will give you, and he knows what your good choice will take you to. All right? Let me give you some scriptures about guidance. God told Abraham in Genesis 12:1, He said, Go to the land I will show you. Every say will show. Why didn't he show it when he spoke to him? Because if God showed you the whole plan, you would freak out. He only can sh- you could only handle a piece of the picture. You can't see the whole puzzle picture. You might see the end, you might see the beginning, you might see the middle part. Joseph, he saw the end. He saw his brothers bowing down to him. Certainly didn't know he was going to go to Egypt and be a slave to get there. If he'd have known the journey to get to where his destination was, can I do it a different way? Amen? But God showed him the end. He didn't show him, God didn't show him how he was going to get to that place. But you know what? He followed God. When times were tough, he followed God. When things didn't work out, he followed God. See, listen, if you're, if you're going to quit easily, God's going to have a hard time guiding you. God doesn't guide quitters. God's a winner. God never quit. I'm so glad, for, I'm so glad he didn't come off that cross. I'm so glad that he didn't uh, call on the legion of angels. He, he sacrificed himself. He went the distance for us. And we should go the distance for him. All right? Is Exodus thirty three fourteen? God told Moses, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. How many want God's presence to go with them? Well, then you got to listen to him. Father knows best. That used to be a TV show. Back in the day. Deuteronomy 
The Lord alone led him. There was no foreign God with him. God has a personal vested interest in you. He gave his greatest gift to you so that you and I could be saved. He gave Jesus to us. He's got a vested interest in our success. And he takes guiding us personally. Besides, he's not limited by time or space. He already knows the end before the beginning. Psalm 48, verse 14. This is God, our God. This is God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. How many are in this thing for the long haul? Christianity is not a flash in a pan. It's a lifestyle. And God will guide you to greatness. All right? Psalm 73, verse 24. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Say, you know, God's a counselor, right? He's a wonderful counselor. He's the best counselor you'll ever have. He won't dig into your past. He'll just get you straightened out for your future. Amen? Hallelujah. Exodus 13, verses 21 and 22. The Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud and fire to lead them. How did God lead two to three million people through a wilderness with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire? Cloud by day, fire by night. Hallelujah. And it went before them. They could see it. And whenever the cloud and the fire moved, they moved. How long are we going to stay here? Don't know. As long as the cloud's here, we're here. Okay, cloud's moving. Let's pick it up, boys. Let's pack it up. Let's go. They only moved when the cloud moved. Some Christians have let the cloud pass them by. You got to catch up. The cloud is the glory. The fire is the glory. It doesn't matter if it's light or dark. God's got means to lead you, guide you. God can lead you through the darkness. He's light. Exodus 15, 13. The Lord leads you forth in mercy and guides you in his strength. Oh, he leads you in mercy. God doesn't lead you by your past. His mercy covers your past. And he forgets about it. So we should too. Everything's new in Christ. Amen? Psalm 5.8. The Lord leads you in his righteousness and makes your way straight. Quickest, quickest distance between two points is a straight line. Right? Or a curve if you're a pilot. It all depends. (laughs) Psalm 25, verses 8 and 9. God teaches sinners in the way and he guides in justice. Psalm 23, verses 2 through 5. He leads you in paths of righteousness. And Psalm 25, 4. In his truth, he teaches you. He leads you on paths of righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 32, verse 8. 
God instructs you in the way that you should go. Everybody say should. Why does he say should? Because he gives you the choice as to whether or not you want to go that way. He'll show you the right way to go, but you, he, he won't force you to follow him. But if you don't follow him, you'll be subject to wolves and bears and lions and enemies. My favorite one is Isaiah 42:16. This is one that I used a long time ago to figure out God's guidance. I love this one. He brings the blind by a way that they knew not. He leads them on paths that they haven't been on. He makes darkness light and crooked things straight. These things will he do and he'll not forsake you. Listen, he can straighten the crooked out. If you're on a crooked way, that's going to lead you to to tragedy. And he's got to straighten you out. Amen? That's one of my favorite ones about God guiding us. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit. All right? And then uh, John 10. You know, if, you, if you're going to be guided by God, you've got to be a sheep. And that's not a bad idea. <laughs> His, my sheep, hear my voice. John 10, 4, or 10, 3. He calls his own sheep by name. Cornelius, Peter, he called them by name. And leads them out. Say, he's leading me out. He leads you out of poverty. He leads you out of pain. He leads you out of sorrow. He leads you out of darkness. He leads you out of wandering. God did not make you wanderers. He's got a place for you. A destiny for you. Verse John 10, 4. When he brings out his own sheep... He goes before them. Whoo, glory to God. He ought to be out in front, not you. God's my co-pilot. No, the wrong seat. He's the pilot. He's the captain. He's the pilot. He, gets, he has to say so. Amen? The sheep follow him for they know his voice. Do you know his voice? If he was speaking to you right now, would you be able to recognize God's voice from all other kinds of voices? You know, there's all kinds of voices in this world. Are you able to recognize God's voice? You've got to be able to recognize it so that you can hear what he's saying. God speaks to us individually. How he speaks to me is not how he's going to speak to you. Okay? And that's okay. God's got many ways. We're not locked into one way of, of hearing God's voice, but you've got to hear God's voice for you. Because that's the only way that's going to get you out for good. Amen? They will by, John 10, 5, they will by no means follow a stranger. They will flee from him because they don't know the voice of a stranger. You've got to be careful of strange voices. How do you know if it's strange? If it takes you away from God, it's strange. If it takes you to God, it's a good one. Okay? Here are some key points to help you be guided by God. Number one, be a sheep. Jesus is the great shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. They don't have strong defenses. They need the shepherd to lead them to pasture, 
to defend them. A shepherd sleeps with the sheep. A shepherd walks with the sheep. Be a sheep. Say, God, lead me. I'm yours. I'm going to follow you. What are some characteristics of a true sheep? They hear and know the Lord's voice. They follow the Lord. They don't follow strangers, but they flee from them. They enter in through the door. Jesus is the door. They are truly saved. They find pasture and a place to feed. That's the church. True sheep have a church. This is the pasture. I'm the pastor, but this is the pasture. And let me tell you something. Our sheep here are fat. In a good way. What I mean by that is they eat good. They're well rested. I'm not talking physical characteristics. I went to that church and the pastor called me fat. No, I didn't. A true sheep truly knows the Lord. They believe the Lord and they listen to God's voice. Are you a true sheep? You know, people who, John 8, verse 42, go go there for just a second. Go to John 8, verse 42. Notice something here about people who didn't hear his voice. John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because they couldn't hear his voice. They didn't know who he was. Even because you cannot hear my word. Verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. The devil's children can't hear God's word. I thought we were all God's children. Well, I guess Jesus straightened that out right there. He said, you are of your father, the devil. He's talking to a group of religious leaders. Religious leaders. And the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. People who can't hear God's voice can't receive his guidance. They'll never get to where they need to be. They'll be on a treadmill of life. I'm running, I'm running, but I'm not getting anywhere. I'm tired of running. You got to listen to the voice. He'll say, turn here, stop here. All right? Number two, you have to embrace the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He can be grieved, He can be quenched. He has a voice, and he's living on the inside of you. You need to listen to his voice. Peter knew that when the voice spoke to him, he knew it was the Holy Spirit. How do we know he knew? Because he went. He did what the voice said do, so he must have knew who the voice was. He didn't say, who's talking to me? Right? He didn't ask that question. He knew exactly who was talking to him. Why? He knew the voice. How do you know the voice? Spend time with the voice. I'm not talking about the TV channel. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. 
Did you know that the Holy Spirit's job is to guide you into all truth? John 16, 13. He will guide you into all truth. He won't speak of himself. He'll only speak what he hears of the Father, hears the Father say. The Holy Spirit is your inward witness. He's your inward guide. And his job is to bring you into all truth. So if you're about to enter a lie, he can, he, he can spot a lie a mile away. He says, don't, don't go there. That's a lie. He said, come here. This is the truth. You know, if you get into a lie, you're going to be let down. Because you have to lie to protect a lie. A lie weaves a tangled web, and eventually <laughs> you forget which lies you told, and, you know, it ends up a big mess. So we've got to embrace the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He speaks what he hears. He, he shows us things to come. He always glorifies Jesus, so he'll never disagree with the word. There's two things that God guides you with, the Holy Spirit and the word. If you don't know the answer, you can look to the word. If you still don't know the answer, you can ask the Holy Spirit. Because he's never going to take away from the word. Him and the word are one. Okay? The Holy Spirit's your helper. Say, he's my helper. Let him help. If you get into a bind, let him help you out. Oh, I can do this myself. No, you can't. Look at how it turned out doing it yourself. He'll teach you all things. He'll remind you of what God said. He testifies of Jesus. Number three, if you want to hear God's guidance, you've got to embrace the word. The word is Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can live by God's word. It's the most practical book you ever read because it is Jesus cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation. God's word is his integrity. I'm the Lord God, I change not. Nothing needs to be added to the Bible. It's still the number one bestseller of all time. Amen? You know, people gave their lives so that we could have a Bible in English. Think about that. People were, were, were not afraid to die for the word of God. We've got to accept and believe whatever God says is true with childlike faith. You know, you can tell a child anything. Oh, really? They'll believe you. The moon is made out of cheese. Really? Oh, that's so cool. But when God tells us something, no, I, don't, I don't think so. No, but you, you believe in that the moon's made out of cheese, but you won't believe that God raises the dead or God heals your body. I don't think that's true. Prove it to me. Really? Every instruction in God's word is designed to lead God and order all your steps. You want your life ordered? Right here. This is the pattern and the design. Number four, if you want to receive God's guidance, you've got to be meek. I didn't say weak. Meekness is not weakness. 
Meekness is an attitude of humility towards God and gentleness towards men, springing from a recognition that God is in control. Although weakness and meekness may look similar, they're not the same. Weakness is due to negative circumstances such as lack of strength or courage, but meekness is due to a person's conscious, conscious, yeah, choice. You know, the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man in all the earth. And that meek man went into the courts of Egypt and demanded that his people be let go, and they were let go. Meekness has got some power behind it. If you're meek, that doesn't mean you're a wimp. It means you're strong. You're relying on God and not yourself. I mean, the meekest man in all the earth stood and said, let my people go. I'll let the, cat, I'll let the people go, but the cattle said, no, cattle are going too. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. And guess what? The people got out. That's what meekness will do. You know, the Bible says that the meek will inherit the earth. I had a basketball coach in, in grade school, seventh grade. Or no, he said, uh, how did he say it? He said, uh, we, we're meek, but we're not going to let the team steal the ball. <laughs> right? Just because you're meek, that doesn't make you a doormat. It's a strength. It's an inner strength. We're going to go into 2023 with God guiding us. There's some things that God has for you in 2023. And the only way you're going to get there is listen to his voice, follow his instruction, follow his direction. Get that God positioning system, that GPS on the inside of you. Amen? This is how we need to live our lives. God guiding us. He'll guide us into greatness. Hallelujah. Now, if you're stuck on doing what you want to do, God will let you do what you want to do. And, and you won't, you'll miss his guidance and you'll miss his best. Number five, if you want God to guide you, you've got to be in the spirit. John was in the spirit on the Lord's Day, Revelation 1. How do you get in the spirit? Is there a door you go through? No, you can just begin to praise God. Put your mind on God. Quote scriptures. Boom. You're in the spirit. See, I got to be in the spirit. Being in the spirit just means you're doing spiritual things. Right now, sitting in a service, you're doing a spiritual thing. Reading the Bible is a spiritual thing. Praying is a spiritual thing. Worshiping is a spiritual thing. Meditating is a spiritual thing. How do you get in the spirit? Do something spiritual. What a revelation. When I start doing something spiritual, all of a sudden, I'm exposed to the Spirit. That way, isn't that awesome? You don't have to be a rocket scientist to get in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Because I'm not a rocket scientist, but praise God, I can get in the Spirit. How many times have you heard the last month, get in the Spirit at Christmas? Come on. That means get your attitude right. Be, put on, smile. Be cheerful. How come we can get in the spirit of Christmas but not get in the spirit of God? We need to get in the spirit. 
Do something spiritual. Look at your neighbor and say, do something spiritual. Romans 8 9 says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in you. Hallelujah. And then number six, if you want to receive God's guidance, where do we go from here? You got to separate yourself. David Oyedipo said, there is a place to go to take delivery of what God is saying and showing. Sometimes you got to get to a place where you're free from distractions. Why? Sometimes God speaks in a still small voice. I learned a lesson a long time ago about be still and know that I'm God. I had an early flight from New Zealand. I was coming back to the States. And I was supposed to meet my parents in Tennessee in Chattanooga. They were staying at a hotel in Chattanooga. But I got an earlier flight, so my flight arrived like 10 hours earlier than what the original time was. Good for me, but I called the hotel. So I'm on the plane, right? And I'm reading my Bible, and I go to Psalm 4610. And it says, be still and know that I'm God. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I didn't know. God was preparing me. I get to the airport. I call the hotel. They checked out. You talk about be still and know that God is God. The cab driver says, I'm the last cab to go to Cleveland. It'll take you, it'll cost you about 50 bucks. I don't want to spend 50 bucks for a cab when I can get a free ride. <laughs> be still and know that I'm God. God was preparing me. Okay? I'm just being still. Lord. I called all the hotels with that same name in the vicinity. Nothing. Okay? Finally, I remembered... My dad and I stayed at a hotel when I went to Lee University for the first time. We stayed at a hotel. Guess what? I called that place, and that's where they were. They they didn't leave me their forwarding address because they were going to come to the airport the next day. But I found them. You know why? But I had to be still and know that God is God. In the face of pressure, what are you going to do? No one's there to pick you up. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to be still. And I'm going to smile. And I'm going to praise God because God's going to work it out. Amen? Say, God's going to work it out. I could have been all frantic, pulling my hair, worrying, biting my nails, all that kind of stuff. But why? God told me, be still and know that he's God. Sometimes you just got to know that he's God and let him work it out. So you got to separate yourself. Separation clarifies vision and makes it plain to be carried out. John the Baptist, he didn't hang around with the crowd. He hung out in the desert. It was him, the Holy Spirit, and the Jordan River, along with his locusts and wild honey. Right? He was away from the crowd. But God was speaking to him on how to do his purpose, how to do his assignment. He knew exactly. He never went to baptism school, but he knew how to dunk people. Do you dunk them once? Do you dunk them twice? Do you hold them under until they really repent? Who taught John the Baptist how to baptize? Holy Spirit. You know, he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his womb. He, he was born talking in tongues. <laughs> Is that baby talk? No, that's tongues. Wait, that's tongues. 
No, he just wants some milk. <laughs> but sometimes you've got to separate yourself, just you and God. Get into your prayer closet where you can just focus on hearing his voice. Sometimes God just needs to speak to you mano a mano, man to man, man to woman. He just needs to talk with you. Amen? Why? That's when important things are disclosed. Before I knew what I was supposed to do, God and I had some intense conversations. I took time out of my life and I, I, I would walk home and I would pray and, and so that I could hear his voice. You've got to be free from distractions. Amen? Number seven, if you want God's guidance, pray. When you don't know what to do, pray. Stop, drop, and pray. You know, when you're on fire, they say stop, drop, and roll. But when you need an answer, stop, drop, and pray. ASK. Everyone who asks shall receive. Everyone who seeks shall find. Everyone who knocks on the door, the door is open. But notice, you've got to do the asking to receive. You've got to do the seeking to find. You've got to do the knocking to get the door open. And then finally, the last thing, you've got to stay joyful. Everybody say joyful. joyful. Not joyless, joyful. How do you know when you're full of joy when it comes out? If you look like you've been sucking on lemons, you ain't full of joy. You're full of something, but it ain't joy. Because joy does not do what lemons do. Lemons make you pucker up. Joy makes you laugh and shout and rejoice. Hallelujah. You know, uh, Isaiah 30, 29 and 30 says, those with a glad heart can go to God's mountain. How many want to go to God's mountain? Well, there's no sour pusses on God's mountain. You got to be joyful. There's a joy, the Bible says in Peter, a joy unspeakable, but it's full of glory. And joy is the best stress reliever you will ever find. It, it's not, it has no drugs. It has no side effects. It's just joy. One time we were in a restaurant in Illinois. This is when I was in the, my single days. And we had just gotten out of a service. So it was, the thing that we did, we went to the truck stop because you could drink a pot of coffee for a dollar and sit there for hours. It was wonderful. Of course, you drink too much coffee, you get the Pentecostal shakes. Are you Pentecostal? Yeah. (laughs) Pass me some more coffee. But I don't know what was said or what was done, but we were sitting in the corner table and we just started laughing and laughing. It just come out of our gut, right? One guy was laughing so hard that he slid out of his chair underneath the table. And so the waitress politely walked over to us and said, if you guys don't straighten up, you're going to have to leave. That made us laugh even more. <laughs> but there's, there's something about the joy of the Lord. It can't be compared to anything else. And joy will help you hear God's voice. Amen. God is the author of joy. See, we're going to get some joy right here, right now. 
Joy is going to start to flow like a river. And it's going to start to move like water. And if you want to get in, you can get in anytime. (laughs) Hallelujah, Father, we just give you thanks and praise. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. We are the city of God. Say, there's a river that makes me glad. Say, there's a river that makes me glad. Say, I'm in the river and I'm getting glad. See, joy is like a force and it moves like water. And it flows. It's got a flow to it. It's got some force behind it. And when it hits you, it just comes out. Your innermost being, out of your belly, will flow rivers of living water. See, people think it's okay to laugh as long as it's not in church. You can laugh at the Three Stooges. You can laugh at Comedy Central, but oh, don't laugh in church. Why? We're too dignified to laugh in church. Why? God created joy. God sits up in the heavens and laughs at those people that don't believe in him. He laughs. Sometimes we just need to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. 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 Ha, 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 ha. Ha. <laughs> the Bible says that laughter is medicine. It does the body good. Some of you need some medicine. You need some laughter. You need some laughter. Teens can even laugh. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm not touching anybody. This is the Holy Ghost. He moves. We just need to loosen up a little bit. Sometimes the body of Christ is just too wound tight. And when we're too wound tight, we get all this stress on us. And we just need to let the stress go. This is our stress relief right here, right now, before 2023, glory to God. Every stress that came on you in 2022 is going to leave off of you in the name of Jesus. You are going to be so stress-free, you're not going to know what to do, glory to God. Hallelujah, you're going to be so stress-free, like, woo, that was easy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You want to get some strength? Get some joy. Not not any joy, but joy of the Lord. He is your strength. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. See, now you got to be able to yield to this. Hallelujah. Yeah, see, here's a rhema, here's a rhema person. They know how to flow with this. Hallelujah. We're going to stir up some things. We're going to send these rhema people back to Oklahoma drunk of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, on the day of Pentecost, the people looking on, they said, well, these men are drunk. And Peter said, they're not drunk like you think they are. 
He didn't say they weren't drunk. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You need some stress relief. Freedom from stress. Hallelujah. I just thank you right now, Holy Spirit. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. It's flowing. Hallelujah. You're being doused right now with joy. The joy of the Lord. Our sound team is doing great. It's flowing way up there. See, I don't even have to go back there. The river is just flowing right there. Jump in. The water's okay. You won't drown. It's not going to overwhelm you. Hallelujah. Just let, let the Holy Spirit work. Let the Holy Spirit work. He's working. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we just need some help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to, oh, you're going to get flowed right here, right now. Hallelujah. There's going to be a waterfall right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. Woo-hoo. You've always wanted this, so here, here you go. Here's your double-double. Right now, your double-double is flowing right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> God created laughter. And laughter is meant to be expressed and shared. It does the body good. Hallelujah. You will feel much better. Hallelujah. This will be the best counseling session you've ever been in in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He gives us joy. And it flows out like a river. There's effervescent joy that's moving, bubbling, flowing. Hallelujah. You don't have to suppress it. Just let it go. Let it flow. Turn on the spigot and let it flow. Hallelujah. We're letting it flow tonight. Glory to God. It's the last night of 2022. Uh, as far as our service, we're having a good time. We're taking the lid off. We're taking the limits off. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Doesn't that make you feel better? How many feel better after laughing? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Our sound team. You're getting a double-double right now. 
Hallelujah. There's more joy that you can handle. Hallelujah. We're letting it flow right now. It's like a waterfall just flowing from that ceiling right there. And you're underneath it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lisa, you might not be able to keep that camera straight. It's okay. You don't have to keep it straight. We're just letting it flow for this moment right now. We're letting joy flow. The Holy Spirit is doing something here right now tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know. You might have to get to your feet if you can stand and give God some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Or you can fall and give him praise. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going into 2023 free. Full. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm not taking any chain or stuff into 2023. I'm going in there loose like a goose. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God is guiding us into how to be a joyful person. Joy unspeakable, that means words can't describe it. All you can do is show it. Hallelujah. Now, I know this might be strange for some people. That's okay. Hallelujah. You should all be praising God for a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you want more information about joy, I wrote a book called Evervest in Joy. It's in the bookstore. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a truth. The original cover that I was going to do for the book, it was going to be me in a suit sitting in a, t- a tub of bath water with bubbles. We actually had that, but we didn't use that as our cover. But that was the point. Effervescent joy is bubbly, overflowing joy. It's moving joy. Hallelujah. It moves through your soul. Glory to God. I'm just going to read this one passage of scripture, then I'm done. If I can read it. Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captive, captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. <laughs> and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Then he prays, he said, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. That's the river flowing from the throne. Hallelujah. Woo, I got a river. Flowing on the inside of me. Flowing out of me. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and your graciousness and the time that you take for us to guide us, to lead us, and to direct us in all that you have for us. Lord, we're, go- we're entering into a new level of hearing your voice. And we are going to be people that respond. We are not going to be like a frog sitting on a log. We are movers and shakers and kingdom takers. Hallelujah. And Lord, we're going to go after all the things that you have for us. With all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. We love you, God. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. And we thank you for the joy that you give us. And we bless your holy name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.